Welcome to Sophos Security Chat Chat number 205 for the 1st of July, 2015. I'm your host, John Shire, taking over for Chester, who is having a well-deserved rest. With me today, as usual, is Paul Ducklin. Welcome, Paul. Hello, John. Happy Canada Day, I think, is due. I, that's, that's correct. It, uh, it is Canada Day today, and uh, our friends to the south will be celebrating their national holiday in just a few days as well. So for those of us who work on both sides of the border, it's always a nice time of year because you get uh, kind of a couple of days off. And for all of the rest of us, we got a chance on the 30th of June to celebrate Social Media Day. How exciting is that? Very exciting. What did you do to celebrate Social Media Day? I recorded a podcast. I think that counts very, very well. So let's kick it off with our first story, which is a bit of a zombie story. It's uh, back from the dead, it would seem. This is one about Samsung, and um, they've been making the news most recently about their updates with respect to the keyboard app on their mobile handsets. This time they're back in the news. It would appear that Samsung has a bespoke software updating app on their own hardware that is doing something a little peculiar to the Windows update. Yes, my understanding is that uh, just in case you didn't know what this program did, uh, I believe it's called uh, disable underscore Windows update dot exe to avoid Microsoft updates suddenly pouncing on Samsung's own updates and maybe conflicting with them. It seems that they turn off Windows update. At least they turn off the automatic flavor of updates if that's what you've chosen, apparently without telling you. Now, my understanding is Microsoft was not very happy about that, figuring this is not a good idea, chaps. And it did strike me as a terribly lazy way of avoiding conflict. Because surely if someone realizes Windows Update hasn't run for a while, if they're a well-informed user, they're going to go and do a manual update anyway, and the conflict you're so afraid of is going to happen regardless. I agree. I think and part part of the reasoning behind Samsung's decision to do this was that they didn't want the Windows generic drivers to be uh, conflicting and possibly disabling or harming their, their own proprietary drivers for their own hardware. You know, when you think of it in those terms, okay, maybe it makes a bit of sense. It just doesn't seem to be to be the right way to be handling this problem. If If you think that there's a potential problem with the Windows drivers, shouldn't you maybe be addressing that with Microsoft themselves, as opposed to just binning the whole process altogether? You're right. Some way of saying to Microsoft Update, no, this driver is the one that the user really does want. It does seem a bit of an irony. The example that was apparently given by one of the Samsung support guys, now this could be a mistake by the support guy for all we know, but was, well, you know, you might have USB 3 and then the Windows generic drivers will come along and they won't work properly. It strikes me that having your high-speed hard disks work at 30% of their maximum speed is a small price to pay for not missing out on important security updates that could let crooks into your computer. Yeah, no kidding. I think so. I think we both agree that there's probably a better way of handling this uh, particular conundrum of of drivers maybe misbehaving. And uh, unfortunately, Samsung has not found it. No, and I think this is going to become even more important as Windows, as well as other platforms like Linux, go towards the rolling update model. I think coders, people who are updating their own software, are going to have to remember it's not all about them. It's actually about the ecosystem. And when you're doing updates, you can't rely on your updates happening in some kind of vacuum that will be nicely separated or well distant from everybody else's. Because 
the pressure is on all of us to update more frequently because the crooks are getting more vigorous. Absolutely. And in some other updating news uh, this week, we have our good old friend Flash coming back into the news with a, a bulletin, the Adobe Security Bulletin APSB 15-14, which was uh, issued last week. So we haven't seen Flash in the news for quite some time. It used to be sort of the de facto tool or you know vulnerability of choice or exploit of choice for uh, the cyber criminals out there. And uh, it seems to have gone a little bit quiet. But um, yeah, we're seeing it again. What's uh, your take on this? Normally, you'd expect an update from Adobe just once a month on the second Tuesday of the month. This one wasn't on the second Tuesday. Therefore, it was an emergency update. And apparently, the reason for that was that their limited targeted attacks had been seen. Usually that means, uh, you know, one or two crooks or maybe some uh, what you might call state actor groups are actually using uh, a new vulnerability to be able to get into just a few computer systems. And so out comes the patch. Unfortunately, and just following on from what we were saying earlier about the vigor of the crooks, within a week, it looks as though crooks had taken this vulnerability mainstream by building it into an exploit kit so you know within a week of this update coming out exploits using this vulnerability are now essentially available to the highest bidder and uh, it seems that the major use so far in the first few days surprise surprise delivering ransomware so you can uh, squeeze money out of your victims that thing we always say about patch early patch often very much borne out by this particular flash saga Yes, and you've got some great tips here in the article on Naked Security uh, that, that talks about the, the latest Flash vulnerability uh, on how to mitigate it. And I think you know, the first few are, are sort of table stakes for, uh, for, for us all. If you don't need Flash, don't install it. I think there's a lot less need for Flash these days with HTML5 becoming more widely adopted. Well, if you think about it, anyone who's got an iPad or an iPhone hasn't had Flash for ages. Correct. And they seem to be getting on with life on the internet perfectly well. So don't just assume you need it and keep it for that reason. So there you have it, folks. If you have Flash, use it wisely and cautiously. In some other exploit news, uh, this time it's a uh, some positive news. It's a win by the good guys again. Uh, there was a joint investigation team that was uh, coordinated by Europol. Uh, that took down a crime syndicate. Uh, they believe that these, uh, the, the people that were responsible for the deployment of the Zeus and Spy Eye banking Trojans, were the ones that were caught in this particular dragnet. Which is, uh, you know, as we've seen lately, there's been a slow and steady trickle of the bad guys getting caught by the good guys. Yes, and in in all the cases that I've read about recently. It's not just like, oh, gosh, we found the guy who nicked your car and, you know, he lives in the same town as you and it's all localized. These things have all involved multiple jurisdictions, investigators from multiple countries, uh, multiple simultaneous raids on multiple addresses, arresting several guys at the same time. Yeah, that's just it. I think uh, if you look at the countries that were involved in this particular bust uh estonia latvia moldova poland ukraine um would have been countries that we may have you know a few years back said hey those were some of those safe havens for cyber criminals but uh it's it's just great to see that even those countries are participating in these investigations 
Uh, one of the things I took away from uh, this particular bust and some of the other ones that have happened in the last year has been it seems that we're also getting the guys at the top as well as the foot soldiers. Now we're also getting the uh, the heads of the pyramid, if you will. Like that Black Shades chap that you wrote about uh, just last week. He was arrested some time ago, but he has actually now pleaded guilty, hasn't he? He's the guy who wrote a, the remote access Trojan that basically would let you take over other people's computers, spy on them with their webcam, do all kinds of devious and dirty stuff. He he got what? To... Yeah, he got 57 months in federal prison. And I think that's starting to become uh, quite the deterrent for people who might be thinking about getting into this line of work, whereas in the past it might have been more of a slap on the wrist because we just didn't know what to do or you know we didn't have the laws on the books to deal with these guys. The fact that there's a serious economic cost, that there's the well-being of the people who are the victims and so forth, all of that the courts seem to have got their heads around. So that idea that, hey, this isn't a real crime because you're not in the victim's face, you're right in their life, you're right in their bank account, you're right in their identity – all those things are just as bad and just as important when it comes to sentencing. Correct. And so another tick in the W column for the good guys. Actually, as, we're, as we record this today, uh, a raft of security advisories came out from Apple, uh, some dealing with EFI, some dealing with uh, iOS 8.4. Um, a quick perusal of those advisories. Uh, I saw a bunch of RCEs or remote code executions in there, a lot of CVEs being addressed. So um, if you are an Apple user out there, I do suggest that you go out and get those updates as soon as possible as well. Yes, you sent those all to me just before we started recording. I was actually using my iPhone and scrolling through them so you know, you don't get an awful lot on the screen. And by golly, it took me quite a while to get through the bulletins both for, for uh, OS 10.10.4 and iOS 8.4. And I had exactly the same reaction as you. Wherever I looked, I kept seeing remote code execution and things like information disclosure out of the kernel, which usually means you can work out memory addresses that are supposed to be disguised through address space layout randomization. So that makes other vulnerabilities easier to exploit. I was also surprised, well, perhaps not surprised at how, what, what sort of a lineup there is between the fixes going into iOS and OS X. An injury to one is... Uh, definitely an injury to both it seems so you said it earlier i'll say it now patch early patch often it doesn't just apply for windows or flash it applies to all of your software as well even apple devices even apple devices oh by the way john the the funky thing i saw is that there's a there's an efi that's the the firmware that the the, the, the sort of mini operating system that runs before the whole mac or these days windows computer boots they even have those on linux you know paul I've heard of Linux. That's the thing with the penguins, isn't it? But Apple have apparently tweaked the DRAM refresh rate uh, as a way of dealing with the so-called row hammer problem, which is where you keep reading over and over and over and over again from the same cells of memory. So you're continually physically accessing the, a row of capacitors deep down inside the chip. And what can happen is that you accidentally affect uh, the memory bits that are next to it physically on the chip. And Google researchers had found that with a little bit of jiggery-pokery and cleverness and with some very good fortune about uh, having, say, a lightly loaded computer, it was actually possible pretty much to exploit that by making changes that allowed you to do some kind of security bypass. So Apple has tried to tighten up the 
way that your memory operates to protect against a rather abstruse sort of uh, security problem. Well, good on them. With that, I will conclude Sophos Security Chatlist Chat number 205. For this and other security news, please go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com. For our podcasts, you can subscribe to them via RSS, on the iTunes Store, via the TuneIn app, and at soundcloud.com slash sophosecurity. And until next time, stay secure.